0: McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburgler. Today's review, the hotter, juicier classic burgers. Mr. Hamburglar. Bravo, rubble. He said, of all the McDonald's burgers I've ever hamburgled, these are the hottest, juiciest, and tastiest. Bravo. Hurry in and enjoy one of our 350 bundles, like a daily double and small fries, for a limited time. Price and participation may vary, cannot be combined with any of the offer Comparison to of the prior classic burgers. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
1: Hi everybody, I'm Mala. And I'm Diossa. And we are thrilled to be guest hosting this month's series for Crooked Minis. We're talking about self-care, the power and politics of self-care. And before we get into our main content, we want to spend a little bit of time introducing ourselves so y'all can get to know us.
2: We are the co-founders and co-host of a podcast called Locatora Radio where we archive the legacies, geniuses, and brilliance of women and femmes of color. So talking about self-care is definitely on brand, and it's definitely something that we try to incorporate in our individual lives and also in our podcast.
1: Yeah, and in our Look that, our radio hosting lives, we focus quite a bit on issues dealing with survivors. Survivors of sexual, gender-based, and relationship violence. And we always like to look at topics like self-care through that sort of lens, a survivor-focused, trauma-informed approach. And that's what we plan to do um, on this podcast for Crooked Minis.
2: So just to get started, we want to share with y'all who we are. Mm -hmm. and our backgrounds. So I'm Mala Munoz. I'm born and raised in Los
1: Angeles. I am a third-generation Mexican-American. I identify as a Chicana, and I work on podcasting. I'm also a teacher. And before I did that work, I worked for three years as a rape crisis counselor advocate at Peace Over Violence, which is our local uh, rape crisis and domestic violence resource agency. So a lot of my work comes from that background of... Rape culture, responding to sexual assault, but also teaching about sex education.
2: Yeah, so I am also born and raised in Los Angeles. I'm a first-generation Peruana Mexicana. For my professional life, I am a community care specialist working with folks with developmental disabilities. And before that, I was a community organizer in the Harbor area of Los Angeles. So when thinking about self-care, I like to think about it from different lenses of meaning the communities that I've served and that I've worked with, and then also the communities that I come from. So here with Crooked, we're going to be hosting a four-episode
1: series on self-care and the power that it brings to healing, especially for marginalized communities. So we want to look at communities of color, undocumented folks, trans folks, queer trans people of color, and the ways that self-care is a topic how we embody it, but also maybe how there's some appropriation going on in the self-care world. We want to look at origins of self-care and the ways that it's been practiced as a tool for liberation, as a political weapon, in addition to a source of healing for folks who have endured generational trauma.
2: Right. So it's not just a a bath bomb and a face mask. And it can be those things, right? Right. But that's definitely not the only way to self-care. And that's not the only self-care that we're going to be talking about today. We definitely want to poke at and challenge the wellness industrial complex a little bit or a lot, actually, and, yeah. and think about, like Mala said, who gets to profit from it and who are the folks doing the work within their communities to talk about self-care. Mm. Yeah. And I think that our
1: own communities and experiences help shape this interest in self-care or in community care, which is something we hear a lot about and talk a lot about in our own context here in L.A., And I think that it would be interesting for us to kind of think about our own experiences with self-care and how we got to this place. Do you want to talk a little bit about your experiences as a community organizer and how self-care played a role there?
2: Yeah, definitely. So, you know, when I became a community organizer, that's when I started to really understand what community care looked like. It wasn't a very glamorous or beautiful way to self-care. You know, I was facilitating these community groups and I had five community groups in an area in, in the harbor. And it was then that I started to see that the meetings that I was running, the majority of them, or if not all of them, were were Latinas or were immigrant women, were undocumented women. And I started to see that them attending these meetings where we also provided childcare and we also provided food was their hour or two hours to actually just be themselves and be individuals as opposed to being mothers. In Spanish, there's this word called convivir, which uh-huh. is like to be with people, to be in community. So it was then that I started to realize, oh, this is community care because not only are they taking care of themselves by taking these two hours out of their week to come to this meeting to show up fully present, but they're also taking care of each other, Yeah, right? And the fact that childcare was provided and paid for made a really big difference. And it allowed these women that had children that weren't in school, that had toddlers or infants, it gave them the opportunity and the time to be able to come, right? So that's really important when thinking about organizing and meetings and meeting spaces is, is child care being provided. Right. And it's often overlooked. Yeah. So that was one way that I started to really think about community care and self-care as something that was radical mm-hmm. and it had nothing to do with candles and face masks. So then starting to work with these groups, it allowed me to to see it in a more radical way and think, right. well, what does actually self-care look like and how is it? preserved in these communities of color or in these more marginalized communities. Yeah. That was definitely my first understanding of it.
1: Yeah. I think that I had some similar experiences in my work. So when I was working at the Rape Crisis Center, I think that 2014 to 2018, we saw a lot of conversation about wellness and self-care, not only like, on social media, but also in marketing, commercials, like all over the place, you know. And this craze also seeped into the direct services world.
2: Absolutely. You know, and
1: like trauma services. And so we as direct service workers and as first responders, we're getting a lot of training on self-care for ourselves to avoid burnout, but also a lot of training on how to encourage survivors who are clients to practice self-care. And I think that it came from a place of positive intention. Mm. But what ended up happening is really feeling like these suggestions on how to take care of oneself as an individual became super trite because we're talking about Types of violence that folks experience, domestic violence, child abuse, relationship violence, sexual assault, that have these very uh, well-documented correlations with houselessness and housing insecurity, with future substance abuse, um, with financial insecurity, because enduring these types of traumas is expensive. Mm -hmm. And so we're sitting here getting trained on, you know, advising clients on how to use essential oils and go for a walk like... When what they need are housing, food, and legal resources, you know, like quite simply basic needs are not being met. I felt very disillusioned because the help that we're supposed to be providing just wasn't there. And I think that there's a crazy intersection with the nonprofit industrial complex and this wellness industrial complex.
2: Because you and I were both working at nonprofits at the mm-hmm. same time and seeing a lot of parallels in the way that our... Our nonprofits were running.
1: And it wasn't just the Rape Crisis Center I was working at, but When I went to conferences and trainings and I was meeting other advocates from across the country, the experience was echoed and was the same. Not only was self-care kind of put on us as our responsibility to take care of ourselves to avoid burnout, but what ends up happening is that kind of lets the org off the hook as far as other things like getting paid a living wage, which most rape crisis counselors and emergency response advocates are not getting paid a living wage. So I think that it's going to be really interesting to explore this idea with our guests and the different folks that we're bringing on to this mini-series to see how they've interacted with this topic of self-care at a community level, but also how they've seen the wellness industrial complex in their own journeys.
2: Yeah. So a quote that is going to ground us throughout the series and this conversation is, is a quote by Audrey Lorde where she says, caring for myself is not self-indulgence, it is self-preservation, and that is an act of political warfare. So when thinking about the folks that we're going to be interviewing, this is the quote, and this mm-hmm. is what's going to be a guiding light throughout this mini-series. I think that
1: something that we also toyed with is this thinking of self-care isn't selfish, and the double meaning of that, right? So. On the one hand, we can think of community care and thinking of self-care as being care of self is care for community and vice versa. So self-care isn't selfish, as in it shouldn't be selfish. But at the same time, taking the time to take care of oneself, like Audre Lorde wrote um, in that amazing quote from A Burst of Light and other essays, is that when we do participate in self-care, as individuals and take care of our our bodies and our minds, that it is not selfish because it is an act of political resistance, and we have the right to take that time and take that care, so I think that we can hold space for both ideas,
2: yeah
1: and um Kind of do away with the idea that when we do things like pamper ourselves or say no to people Mm -hmm. or say no to requests or asks, um, when we seek balance in our day and in our time and in our life, that depending on who you are, especially if you're a woman or if you're a woman of color, that when we say no or when we set up boundaries, we're considered selfish or it's even seen as aggressive when we Mm -hmm. say no or When mm -hmm. when the boundaries are set. When the boundaries are set. So uh, it's interesting to think about our next, our first guest that we're going to bring on the podcast, Thea Monier, um, to talk about her interactions with self-care, her understanding of the concept and her studies of the origins. And, you know, I think we have an image of our mind. It's like. White Girl, Lululemon, Pinterest page, self-care, right? That's sort of the poster child in this moment of self-care.
2: Absolutely. But
1: what we want to talk to Thea about are some of the indigenous spiritual origins of this concept.
2: Yeah, so Thea's going to take us through the foundation, the history, and the science of self-care. And she is an amazing poet, artist licensed therapist, and she will be guiding us in this conversation and really shining light on the origins of self-care and that it's not a new hip,
3: sure. trite
2: thing, trend, Trend that is that has been taken over by marketing companies and the wellness industrial complex.
4: Absolutely. I mean,
2: even my first, when I started thinking about self-care and I was doing the face masks and lighting the candles... I was like, well, why don't I feel better? Right. Why why do I still feel all this pain inside of me? Mm -hmm. You know, so thinking about, yeah, that's great. And it really, it might make you feel better in that moment, but whatever the root is, is still going to be there. Absolutely. So thinking about the ways that we can heal that generational trauma or heal the the trauma that's inside of us. Yeah.
1: And uh, Thea Monier does a really amazing job in her work of, linking trauma and healing from that trauma with our own ancestral methods yeah, and validating those ancestral Mm -hmm. methods and tapping into the power that they hold through the educating she does with her students and her clients. So it'll be really cool to have her on. We have a really provocative conversation. Um, And just because you shared, you know, about like that sort of glamorous side, I think that I similarly was raised to think of self-care as a lot of times being very aesthetic. So the ways that my mom taught me how to take care of myself are like, this is eye cream. (laughs) You put this on before you go to bed. Like, we take care of our bodies. But it's I don't think that that's vain at all. Like, I think it's extremely
2: important. I think that we can hold space for both because we... I mean, you, y'all can't see us, but we are two very high femme yes. individuals. Yeah. So we take the beauty seriously, and we find power in it. And we're it, there's an intention behind it. So it's definitely not to say that oh, that's frivolous. Oh, the face masks and the eye creams are are not necessary. Definitely, if you find power in that, find power in it. Um, but what else is there? Mm-hmm. Moving mm-hmm. beyond that, yeah, what can what can we pull out from the self care and the community care? Right. We'll be right back after these messages.
0: Crooked Minis is brought to you by Uma. As the weather gets colder, I'm guessing if we could, yes, I mean we as in the universal we, we'd probably Netflix and chill all day is the sentence I just said. Ain't that the truth. Good news is you can still stay cozy while you're on the go. Memory foam isn't just for pillows anymore. It's in your new shoes now, too. Meet Karayuma sneakers. They're crazy comfy. Karayuma's high and low-top styles come with a hybrid memory foam insole that gives it the perfect broken-in fit, making them easy to wear from your 8 a.m. all-hands meeting to cocktail hour and beyond. But just because their insoles may sound geriatric, don't get it confused. They're ridiculously good-looking, too. Uh, They are. Plus, these Karayuma old-school sneakers are made with new-school ethics. Nice, I see what you did there. This Brazilian sneaker brand handcrafts each pair in ethical factories that use only natural materials, fair trade cotton, leather, or suede. Oh, and Cariuma also purchases carbon offsets to get their transit footprint down to zero. Pretty green stuff right there. Pretty green stuff. Got to purchase those carbon offsets. For a limited time, Crooked Minis listeners can get an exclusive 15% off your first pair of Cariuma sneakers. Go to CARIUMA.com slash Crooked Minis to get 15% off. That's CARIUMA.com slash Crooked Minis for 15%
3: off today. Crooked Minis is brought to you by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? How long you got? BetterHelp online counseling is there for you and here for you. Get help on your own time and at your own pace. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. BetterHelp's licensed professional counselors are specialized in. Next page. <laughs> Depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, anger, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, sleeping, trauma, and self esteem. Anything you share is confidential. (laughs) If you are not happy with your counselor for any reason, you can request a new one at any time. No additional charge. This is not a crisis line. BetterHelp has 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states with four communications modes. Text, chat, phone, video. You can start communicating in under 24 hours. Financial aid is available for those who qualify. Best of all, all, it's a truly affordable option. Crooked Minis listeners, get 10% off your first month with discount code crooked minis so why not get started today why not why not go to betterhelp.com slash crooked minis can't find a better help simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love betterhelp.com slash crooked minis
2: We are super excited to be joined by the amazing, legendary, Thea Monnier. Hi, um, Thea. Hello.
4: I'm so excited to be here.
2: Same, same here. Thank you for joining
4: us. Any time, literally, all you have to do is say Thea in the date and time, and I'm there. <laughs> love it. You know yes. we love you.
1: We had to have you on the pod for this conversation. Yeah, for sure. Because this, as you said, is your jam. This is, the, this is what it's all about.
2: Yes. So just to get started, can you tell us what is your definition and relationship to the concept of self-care?
4: <sighs> Generally, I'd say that it's care that is centering the self. But centering self is the act of saying that I'm significant and essential and vital to the ecosystem around me, right? Mm -hmm. Enough so that I have to prioritize physical, emotional, psychological, sexual, financial all the different forms of wellness and health. And it can look different for everyone. So for some people, you know, they like going to a shooting range. For some, they like doing yoga. But it definitely has to involve the centering of the self and have that intention behind it. And you mentioned that the definition might look different depending on who you're talking to. Absolutely.
1: Let's get into specifics. Yes. (laughs) Who's the who?
4: Yeah. (laughs) I I think, you know, marginalized groups definitely, when they talk about self-care, historically marginalized groups, when we talk about self care, it can seem like like you're talking about a foreign concept that's for other people, right? Like a, like it's a luxury thing. Um, particularly, I think of first thought comes to like 65 and up year old Black women, grandmothers, mm-hmm. abuelitas. You know what I mean? Like like the ones who have been working their whole life to make sure the rest of us have a good life. Yeah. And if I say, you know. You know, where's your self-care, Grandma? What, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, right? sure. It's just a blank stare. And for me, like when I think about it, that's who I want and feel deserves, right? The time to sit and enjoy the fruits of their labor and their hard work. Um, but it can be tricky because I think we've also been taught to feel like self-care is relaxing and who can relax? In a black and brown community, in a queer community, like who can relax when you know there's actually laws being passed against you, or that you're watching yeah. people, you know. So I just feel like the association with relaxing feels unsafe for some people. Um, like, like I'm, I, you ain't gonna catch me slipping, <laughs> right? Yeah,
2: because I think even. Working or overworking is a trauma response. Absolutely. So, so the idea that oh, we're just going to sit here and rest is very foreign, like you said, yeah. because our body doesn't know how to just sit and rest.
4: No, because we're always – there's always this feeling that you have to um – prove or justify your humanness and for certain bodies that's been through work like you know being worked to death being worked for free being worked inhumanely um and unjustly and so we've done that and felt like to we have to keep doing that so that we can get the approval of dominant groups right we're legit called lazy and like literally (laughs) built this shit Absolutely. Yeah. So, like, that's crazy. But it still is a part of, even though we know it's crazy, it still becomes a part of the narrative.
1: It gets deeply internalized. Absolutely.
4: Over generations
1: and centuries. Yeah. And you make me think of, we hear these stories in our communities of so-and-so worked and never took a vacation. Right. Day. Right. Worked so hard, had multiple jobs, retired, or went back to their home country and then died shortly thereafter. Right. Never enjoyed the fruits of their labor. Right. And then I think of like MacArthur Park nearby, Mm -hmm. all the elderly folks that we see Mm -hmm. that continue to work into their 80s and 90s. Yeah. Because do they have the option to stop and take care of themselves in the way we think of retirement? Right.
4: And have we come to look at, like, whose standard is this work ethic based on, right? Like, mm-hmm. we worked wherever we were from originally, <laughs> We, but working wasn't our primary identity. Mm-hmm. That's become the thing here. And I, I've caught it in myself. So here I am. It's not about education or background or any of that stuff. Like, here I am, you know, I have two degrees, I work a good job, and yet I catch myself in that trauma responsive busyness, and I wear like a badge of honor. Like, you know, I'm I'm a G. I'm out right. here doing this, you know what I'm saying? Like who needs sleep? Who exactly. needs food? You know, and it's like that's not cute, like to be dehydrated out <laughs> in these streets, <laughs> you sleep know, deprived. Deprived. <laughs> right? Sleep deprived. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like who's got who's got hydrated skin? Like who's drinking celery juice? Like, we need to be thinking about joy. And so this is why that's such an important part of the conversation that I'm always having. Not just joy, but pleasure. Because yes, there's joy and we can have it, but I can have joy right in front of me and not feel like I have the right to tap into it. To mm. me, that's that's pleasure. The right to enjoy what you have available to you, right? And not feel um, like that's that your identity is less than because you decide to enjoy nice things every now and then.
1: Yeah. I'm wondering if you could talk to us a little bit of sort of shifting from this wellness industrial complex, individualized, store-bought, pre-packaged self-care to a notion of community care. Yeah.
4: And tying it into Mm self-care. So like I feel like true self-care creates an atmosphere in which you begin to attract people who want to know like what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Right.
1: Uh, When we first met... I was working mm-hmm. at a rape crisis center, mm-hmm. right? In the trenches. In the trenches. And we were in the midst of like a training and talking. You were ab- amazing. Thank you very much. Like, still,
4: my favorite trainer. Thank <laughs> you very still much. Trainer,
1: yeah. And talking about the very real connection between. Our neurobiology mm-hmm. and trauma. Mm-hmm. So whether that's generational trauma, mm-hmm. and we know there have been studies out about the yeah. descendants of Holocaust yeah. survivors yeah. and how the trauma literally changes our DNA, yeah. lives in our DNA, yeah. and how if you are from a community, yeah. right, that has undergone a mm-hmm. traumatic experience, mm-hmm. um, how that trauma most likely lives in our DNA as well. Yeah. So I'm wondering if you can talk to us a little bit about neurobiology and self-care because if the trauma affects our neurobiology then the self-care the wellness the healing i would assume has to be
4: yeah has to also think about the neurobiology the science behind it all yeah i'm like a big proponent that i think part of any form of reparation should include like acupuncture Mm, very nice (laughs) I I think there's body work that has to be done you know um, there's a book called the body keeps the score yes and how we store trauma in the body Mm -hmm. and I think when we look at health outcomes we say oh they eat terrible they don't care about their bodies they don't work out you know even though they got like a liquor store where a grocery store should be oh yeah like you know we get all this like shit for health outcomes and yet they do not look at racism or systemic oppression as a factor in how our bodies function. We do not look at the folding of our elders' shoulders down, right? The hunching down of their shoulders or their, their backs in the work and the labor for so many years. We don't look at those things as factors. Right. And so our trauma can be extremely physical, yeah. And I think sometimes when they look at barriers to mental health, they want us to come in and talk about it. But I think sometimes if you look at how our bodies are set up and how we've made them more rigid to withstand, we don't even feel the problem.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Your body gets used to chronic pain very yeah. easily. Yeah.
4: Also, though, and I, I have to say this when we do say we are in pain, People don't take us seriously, right? This is the whole black maternal health crisis that these women are saying, hey, I'm experiencing pain and being sent home from the hospital or said that they complain too much, right? So we know that medically... there's implicit bias in the medical field, um, in the mental health field, that when we come in and say something's happening to us, it's assumed that we're over-exaggerating and that we're just being, like, extra for whatever reason, though yeah. we all know the history. Yeah. So I do feel um, – and Noni talks a lot about emotion code. I haven't read it yet, but she in somatic – Body work for a lot of people of color is great. And I think they should know the alternatives to talk therapy that are mm-hmm. body work oriented. Yeah. Um, and find practitioners of color who are practicing those things. Um, because I still think you will probably have a better outcome with a practitioner of color who, who understands the role that systemic oppression plays in this situation. Beautiful. Thank
2: you. Thank you. I
4: love y'all. We love you you so much. (laughs) I'm (laughs) running. Here come. We appreciate you.
2: (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning in to the first episode of this Crooked Mini series. Thank you so much to Thea Monier for joining us and talking about the origins of self-care. And we hope you join us for our next
1: episode for Crooked Minis. We'll be talking about the politics of self-care and the party as praxis. We're really excited to invite the Cumbiaton Collective to talk to us about creating safe spaces for community care and partying with DJ Sizzle and Paulo Riveros.
2: Thank you again for tuning in. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. And we are the co-producers and co-hosts of Lokatora Radio.
1: If you'd like to tune in to Locatora
2: Radio and follow our happenings, you can
1: follow us on Instagram at locatora underscore radio. You can also visit our website, locatoraradio.com, and tune in to Locatora Radio on Apple Podcasts, Audioboom, Spotify, and SoundCloud.